His med school pays him tuition. He pimps attendings. He once did an appendectomy on himself. He is the most interesting med student in the world. That voice you just heard is my new co-host Scott Wieters with a quote by Dr. K at Med School Advice on this episode of EM Stud brought to you by CDEM. There is no question that in order to be an awesome emergency physician, you have to be a good clinician. And that starts in large part from the experiences and habits formed during the third year of medical school, where sim labs and small groups have been substituted by the hospital wards and operating rooms, where the classrooms have been replaced by the clinics, and where learning occurs not only in textbooks, but also at the bedside in real-life patients with very real pathology. Simply put, you're no longer just a student. You're now part of a healthcare team. You no longer get graded just on multiple choice tests, but instead you're evaluated on your punctuality, your professionalism, and your ability to think on your feet. And so in order to give you some tips and advice on how to do well on your clinical rotations, we've rounded up some of the brightest medical students we could find and asked them how to run third year like a boss. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, this is Scott Wieters, uh, eMed coach on Twitter, coming to you live from the production studios deep in the heart of Texas at Texas A&M University, where I'm a clerkship director and now co-host of the EM Stud podcast. So like Nate said, we had an amazing crop of students this year, probably our best yet. And I brought the creme de la creme, the best of the best. I found three of our top students who have gotten honors in most all of their rotations. And so I'm here today to find out what it means and what it looks like to run third year like a boss. So I'm here with our great medical students. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves real quick. Who do we have here? Caitlin, why don't you go first? I'm Caitlin Works. I'm Jared Hamm. I'm Kate Sarosky. Welcome, guys. Thanks for taking the time out. We appreciate you coming by to the headquarters of the studio here. Thank you, Dr. That's Peters. great. It's great to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Love all you guys. Some of our favorite rotators this year. Excellent. So let's jump into this. Um, how did you guys earn honors? I mean, what's the secret? Is there a sauce? Is there a formula? How did you nail it? Hmm. Um, I, sure, I'll jump in. I think... Um, Thinking about it from my perspective, there there really there are two um, there are two components uh, basically to earning honors. There's an objective portion which you you can uh, satisfy by through through tests basically. Uh, you get a, a number grade that's assigned to you, uh, and there's a subjective portion which is this is all like kind of the softer things like how you get evaluated by your 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 coworkers and the residents and and uh, that type of thing. So uh, for me personally, on that objective uh, side of things, questions uh, is mainly what I use. Um, I really liked the, uh, the pretest series personally. Uh, I know some people like case files too. Um, and then for the subjective portion, uh, really, uh, I think to me it, it boils down to, um, basically make mom proud, right? <laughs> Show up early, stay late, um, you know, always be enthusiastic about working, um, ask if there's anything you can do to help out and, uh, that type of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I used a lot of the same things Jared did. I used the pretest, which I liked a lot for the different subjects. Um, USMLE World, I got a year-long subscription and did the different sections um, for all of our clerkships, OBGYN, pediatrics, psychiatry. So I did all of those things um, as I went before we took our shelf exams. 
which was really helpful, I felt like. And then, yeah, like you said, I mean, you work hard, you always be enthusiastic. If it's your fifth ankle pain of the day, be enthusiastic about seeing it and don't drop your presentation just because you're kind of tired of it and your attending's kind of tired of it. Just kind of stay, um, keep your scholastic level high throughout the whole thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I kind of overall just did you world most of the time, but I know that I would think maybe I'll tr change it up and do pre-test or I'll change it up and do something else. And I found that what I wish I would have done was just get one source and stick to it and finish that because I would find that every source kind of has the same information in it. So if you just get through one of them, you've gotten through everything. Um, but other than that, I would just also listen to what were the main things I was getting pimped on because that would also tend to come up mm -hmm. on the NBME. And then other than that, just um, for trying to get honors, I guess just my main thing was like trying not to be annoying. I remember one of my residents on, on psych, he was saying that whenever they grade the medical students, they kind of sit in a room and they just say, who was our favorite? And they would assign that person all the excellent, like the best marks. And then they're like, who was our least? And they'd give them all the average. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's not even like, did you actually have great, which I don't know if that, I mean, that's not the best, the most honorable <laughs> way to do it, but just an insider information. From be the coolest, Just be the coolest, <laughs> be everyone's friend. And it's important. So are you guys like getting paid by UWorld and pre-test? Am I going to go on their website and like see your mug up there with two thumbs up or anything? I, I wish. Mean, yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> okay, so no conflicts of interest. We forgot the disclaimer. Right. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure. But, Kate, you bring up a good point, and I think that's one of the next questions I want to talk to you guys about is, is you know, your average step score in this room is probably like a 458, I'm thinking. You guys are whipping smart. Yeah. That's, you, that's what I got. You own the test. But, but seriously, I mean, how do, you, how do you sound smart on rounds without sounding like a know-it-all or being arrogant? I mean, how do you navigate high school? <laughs> that's exactly what it is, actually. It's a lot like high school. Um, for me, it, it, comes a, it comes to the point of not answering every question and don't be like Hermione and Harry Potter, like the girl in the back of the room that's raising her hand the whole time. Um, you are with a group of really intelligent people and you don't have to answer every question. You don't have to cite a study for every question that they ask. Um, people, if you're, if you're intelligent and you're studying, you're keeping up with your work, people are going to sense that because you will get asked questions um, directly and people single you out and point you out. And use that as your time to shine. Use that as your time to um, <laughs> say your stuff, say what you know. Because I feel like a lot of the time people just try to just try to talk over attendings or other students when they don't necessarily need to to show how smart they are. And you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, tell. and if you ever say something and it's wrong, you know, don't try to fight the attending on it. You just uh -huh. have to oh, say, yeah. oh, that's right. You know, I'll have to look that up and just be totally humble about it and just be grateful that you're learning something new. So you've had an attending tell you something that wasn't right before? <laughs> really? Many, many times. <laughs> Even this guy? Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm destroyed. I'm All right. Okay. So Kate was thinking that she had given out some incorrect answers when I, the attending, was thinking about other attendings like myself giving out black pearls because I've been known to string together a few good black pearl necklaces at times. <laughs> <laughs>
I, uh, I had a, um, one, of the, one of the family docs that I worked with actually had a, a really good uh, piece of advice that kind of stuck with me uh, and it was kind of my mantra on all my rotations uh, as far as, as, far as what uh, we're talking about there. He's kinda, he said, uh, keep your head down on rounds, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't try to pull the spotlight onto yourself, um, but you know, when the time comes when you are asked a question or uh, you know, have studied that and be knowledgeable about it and be ready to answer those questions, mm-hmm. but you know, don't, don't try to jump out there with it. Yeah, one of the questions that kind of goes along with that is how do you work through this, this hierarchy? So you've got yourself, maybe your third year, and there might be some fourth year that's trying to do well in this rotation. You've got an intern trying to impress. There's mid-levels. There's, there's all these people in the middle. There's nurses. There's techs. Mm-hmm. How, how do you navigate that hierarchy? Tell me about some pearls of how you did that well, maybe some some pitfalls that we can avoid. I think number one, you know, no one is, or I guess you're not above anyone. You have to remember that. So, like, even just all the ancillary stuff, like the nurses and the janitors and everyone, like, you need to be so thankful for them because you can actually learn things from them, too. I mean, they've been around patients and around the hospital longer than you. So, first of all, respect everyone. And then um, also... You know, I don't know, maybe I'll have some better advice on just who to go to, like, as far as the mm-hmm. residents. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about being respectful of, uh, of, of everyone. I mean, and when you're when you're rotating through uh, a ward or a clinic or whatever, you know, I mean, you, you're a transient presence there. Like, everybody else, uh, the housekeeper, the nurses, the, the doctors, everybody else there, they're, they're known, and everybody, uh, you know, they ha- they have much more of a presence there, so it's it's important to you know, kind of check your ego at the door and realize that you know sometimes even by just being there, uh, your your presence can even be a, an interruption to their normal workflow. Um, so you know check your ego and and um, yeah treat everybody with respect. Yeah, and I think we also need to learn to be patient. It's easy for me to get caught up and always wanting to talk to the attending. I'm from a campus that doesn't have a lot of residents, and so we are almost always one-on-one with the attending. And so I found myself, when emergency medicine rotation started in fourth year, um, I found myself wanting to go find the attending. I'm going to go find the attending and present, and really impressive. It'll be great. Um, But I had to learn. I was like, I need to go talk this over with the resident, um, and I need to give them the respect that they deserve because their time with the attending is precious too and I think a lot of the times it is hard to find the balance between knowing whether to go to the intern or the upper level because I feel like especially in the beginning of the year a lot of the interns are overwhelmed and it's it's not always um, advantageous to them to have you present to them um, because they're overwhelmed they're working on their own patients sometimes it's the upper level you have to go to but if it's later on in the year, I think it can be fine to go to the intern. And it just it really is dependent on their workload and their, um, I guess, stress level at that time. But just being sensitive to, to how the residents are doing, whether or not you should present to intern upper level or the attending whoever's available. Yeah, it's like the whole not presenting to someone who's overwhelmed. Like, it's great to really sense uh-huh. the overwhelmness of everyone and then be like, hey, by the way, I just went and saw this person. When you have time, like, I'm here. I'm just going to be looking up stuff yeah. in the meantime. <laughs> Definitely. Really kind of situational awareness is what I'm yes. hearing from you. Yeah. So next thing I wanted to touch on is, were there any near misses? Any times you're like, man, I'm really close to the edge. I almost fell off the cliff, but wow. By the grace of God, I got like brought back. 
I gained my composure and I made it through. What, what were some near-miss stories? Let's hear Never these. Never has that happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the biggest mistakes I made during third year, again, this is my, my hierarchy problem. Um, when I was on rounds, and this was internal medicine, when I was on rounds of internal medicine, um, I had not really been around residents before, and this, this is the only residency we have in College Station. Um, and so I was on rounds and asking a lot of questions, just out of my own curiosity. Oh, I wonder why they do it like that. And so I would just ask them out loud, you know, when they'd say any questions or, you know, and I, I ended up talking a lot. Well, I didn't know it was a big deal. I had no idea. No one mentioned anything. And I got my evaluation at the end of the block and it said something about me kind of being a know-it-all. And I was really shocked about that because I don't typically get that kind of feedback. Um, and it was kind of a slap in the face for me, but it was a big wake up call. I was like, you know, I did talk a lot. I asked a lot of questions and that kind of comes back to kind of keeping your head low on rounds. Like we are not top dog. We are kind of not in a bad way, but bottom of the totem pole. We're there to learn and we are there, um, as the technically like the lowest person in the hierarchy of the medicine team. And so it's not our job to, again, um, be the one asking all the questions. We can ask them privately, I think, with the residents later, um, but asking them in front of all the attendings and slowing down rounds um, may not be the best use of time. So. I hear you on that, and sometimes students will have a, a very curious mindset. I think we train you guys to be mm -hmm. skeptical. We train you to be challenging of, of the things that we say because we want to really get the truth here. And sometimes in that, I've seen students kind of go to the point where they're asking too many questions and it almost sounds like you're attacking. Mm -hmm. you know, why, why Why do you want to get a cat skin on this guy? Mm -hmm. Really? Do you want to get a cat skin on this guy? Why? Mm -hmm. and, and some people might interpret that as challenging. Mm -hmm. And so one of the arts that you guys have nailed, it sounds like, and probably through minor missteps is, is really navigating that. How do you sound interested and curious but not challenging and not high maintenance? Mm -hmm. So that's an important concept, yeah, to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? What I can think of is one time I one of the residents almost made me cry, and I'm so glad. Yeah, um, he was. I was. What's his name? I'm gonna kill him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm about to cry. I'm gonna need to leave. Like this is bad." Um, it's because I was presenting on internal medicine, mm -hmm. and he was just like, "Oh really? You think that's what's wrong? What about such and such?" And obviously, I, you know, I had no idea. It was like the first time I'd ever seen like kidney failure, and so I didn't know what I was talking about. But um, I remember I was like, I just have to like keep composed for five more seconds, you know, and then five seconds later, be keep composed for five more seconds. Mm -hmm. um, and then I actually found out a few weeks later that other people who had been on the rotation with him had also almost cried. So it's like, if there's someone who you don't mesh well with, the chances are that they don't mesh well with a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. don't take it personally if someone's starting to really get to you mm -hmm. and the same thing goes for medical students that you're on rotations with because I think sometimes you think gosh this person like they're driving me crazy and but all the residents seem to love them but then I think you'll hear later that they actually didn't do very well and so mm -hmm. just don't don't take things to heart when people are bothering you a lot mm -hmm. I think yeah, I think that's also, that's really good advice, too. Just, like, don't, there are a few services that I rotated through uh, where, you know, people, I don't know, like, they, they would have a really hard time uh, dealing with personalities, 
Uh, but I think that the, the best advice that, that I had during that time period was just, yeah, don't take anything personally. Uh, chances are if somebody does have a, a bad attitude uh, and it's coming through to you, it's not directed at you. It's not because of you necessarily, and, and, and you shouldn't take it that way. I mean, if you do start taking things to heart, uh, then, uh, yeah, you can start to have a much worse experience. Great. So I think the next thing I want to talk about is, is you guys all decided emergency medicine kind of earlier in medical school. I kind of know most of your stories, and I think that wasn't something you were working through a lot during third year. Let's say you're a medical student and you say, look, I, I know I want to do emergency medicine. How do you attack third year differently? What perspective do you take into each rotation and what, what mindset are you going through at this stage? How does that change things for you? Um, I knew I wanted to do emergency medicine coming into medical school. So third year was kind of a a game for me to see how I could tie everything back to emergency medicine, which was funny. I'm sure my attendees realized it eventually. <laughs> um, but I tried to take the opportunities that presented that were presented to me in my clerkships to get stronger in those things um, for emergency medicine. For instance, um, in pediatrics, getting a really good idea of how to do a pediatric physical exam with a sick patient, um, that's really important. For OBGYN, they do a lot of pelvics in the emergency room so that I mean getting good and feeling comfortable with doing pelvics on your own without help um, I think with internal medicine writing notes that's kind of important because you want to be able to you know write out a quick soap note for any of your patients because you know, time is kind of of the essence when you're in emergency medicine um, I think for surgery it was a lot of suturing for me it was really learning how to suture and practicing I'd take all those little kits home and they lend them out from our school I think a lot of medical schools will lend out those kits like at the sim center and then um, oh psychiatry and so for psychiatry it was a lot of learning the drugs and learning a lot of the toxidromes and things that you see um, with overdoses and things like that because that is really important in the in the ED and so I think it's important to focus on those things but also show interest when you're in your other clerkships because you know I think a lot of people walk in and you know if you're going into OBGYN and you're in your internal medicine rotation you can kind of you want to blow stuff off but you can't go in with that attitude because they realize that and again like it'll kind of prevent you from getting honors I think if you get a poor evaluation from your from your attendings and from the residents that you work with so um, again be appropriately interested in all those things yeah definitely <clears throat> I think you know my approach to this was always uh, treating every clerkship uh, as though that was the one that I wanted to pursue as a career. <laughs> I mean, Smart. It's true. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I had a pretty strong uh, feeling that I wanted to do EM going into it. But, um, you know, I, I think that attitude uh, did a couple things for me. It helped me to uh, experience and, and take away things um, that I might not ever get to see again, like an open AAA repair, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it also, you know, it, I think that attitude was healthy too because I have never I'd never rotated through any of these other services before and and while I had a strong feeling that I wanted to do emergency medicine I, how do I know that I don't want to really do psychiatry if I haven't rotated and worked there before so um, I didn't really encounter anything that didn't want me make me want to do EM more but mm -hmm. uh, I, I still tried to have that attitude mm -hmm. yeah I agree with what they say and just 
what I think is like people like people who like what they like. So if, <laughs> if there's a psychiatrist, True. if you seem to really like psychiatry, they're going to be like, wow, we have something in common. They're going to like you more. So it's just a little tip uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. towards getting that honors. <laughs> yeah. Another another point on this too is if you if you go into a service and uh, you, you know, talk to your residents and kind of make it known that you're interested in emergency medicine, they'll, uh, a lot of times I found the residents uh, were really good about, uh, you know, kind of cluing me into what, you know, people that work on that side of the hospital or on their service really uh, would like for a future emergency medicine doctor to, to know about their specialty. I got I got some good advice. Yeah, people will give you tips, especially a lot of the, the internal medicine people that do a lot of the admitting from the emergency room. Um, they'll <laughs> say, now when you're an emergency medicine doctor, don't do this or do this or this is how you shoot films in the ER. You know, so they give you lots of different um, advice. Well, guys, there was just such a world of information shared by Kate, Jared, and Caitlin, that we're going to divide this up into two podcasts. Further questions like, you know, what's in your white coat pocket? And what's on your smartphone? How do you stay healthy during third year? And then I love the million dollar question. Was third year really worth it? This is a tough life. It's a difficult stage. But I think you'll hear from our students, and I'll have to agree that yes, it was worth it and the dividends keep paying off with interest every year. So pay attention to episode two coming up shortly. So on behalf of my colleague, Dr. Nate, this is Scott Weeder signing off for the EM Stud podcast sponsored by Clerkship Directors in Emergency Medicine. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at www.cdemcurriculum.com. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at emedcoach. And my good friend, Dr. Nate, is at ERDoctorN8. We're glad that you stopped from your busy schedule. We look forward to collaborating. And as always, thank you for listening.